This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. It must be Friday. It is Friday on the After Party Live, and we are here for it. It's a big birthday weekend for some of our listener viewers. We have Steph's birthday. Oh, yeah. Colors of the Wind's birthday. So happy birthday if you're in this chat and hanging out. That's awesome. Um, And it's the last weekend before Thanksgiving, and I find myself already ready to kind of celebrate and be grateful i'm kind of in that mode oh, okay yeah. yeah we should be grateful i um, i want to shout out to steve p who sent in a 100 dollars contribution oh that's so nice yeah big shout out steve p yeah you Thank said you steve, so steve p yeah yeah that's really kind wow and and see, it's I'm so grateful. Whether you contribute or not, I'm just so grateful to yeah. this community of listeners and viewers who have. Some of you have been with us since KGO days, and some of you have just found us. And I'm just so happy that we're here together, and that you're making it work. Making and you're it not, work. Uh, yeah. You're not making us beg, which is nice. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I don't want to sound like KQED. I don't want to sound mm. like the show has a drug problem. No, no, I don't either. Hey, hey. No, thank you. Need some more help. Did you hear the story that President Biden was giving a speech? I want to say it was last night. And he, it was like one of those, you know, wrapping up the APEC conference speeches. And he made this kind of comment about Governor Gavin Newsom. And he said, this is the guy who like one day could have my job or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like the first time. You think he really? I don't know if it was an offhanded comment or if it was scripted. I think he was trying to compliment him and then realized, oh man, I'm. He said Newsom is one hell of a governor and could be anything he wants, including president. That's what he said. Oh wait a minute, but not president this time because I'm running. Yeah. Yeah, I like the clip of Gavin Newsom that's um, from Fox, the Fox coverage, and it, it's him saying that some people are saying we're just cleaning up San Francisco because there are world leaders you know, in town. And he's like, and that's true because, <laughs> because that's true. Because that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, yes. we're not used to Gavin Newsom, just, you know, unvarnished truth. And there he is. There's Colors of the Wind with a $10 super sticker. Can't forget you guys for my birthday this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you you so much for that super sticker. I'm trying to see. Oh, I do have them. Here's my birthday balloons. Yay. I love the heart balloon up there. Happy birthday, Colors of the Wind. I know Hula Steph has a birthday as well. So that's so nice. Flo. (gasps) Flo's birthday too. Today is my birthday. I have a lot going on in my life to say the least. I am taking a pause to be grateful for life i am grateful for the after party giving me joy every day big up kim and john oh Flo. whatever's going on in your life i hope that it resolves and i hope things calm down a little bit and i'm so glad you take the time for yourself every day to have a little bit of fun with us happy birthday Flo. thank you truly better for having known you you are awesome yeah that sounded very authentic it's very Very, true very sweet sweet. it's true you know why it's true it's yeah. true because it's true. It's true because it's true. It's Although exactly you've made the true. you've made the after party look very dark. Oh, oh, can, I can have. We get a, can we get yeah. all the blues back? Can we get? Yeah, let's fix it. 
There you go. Okay. Sorry, Sorry it's like you turn the lights out on the stadium. Sorry. <laughs> In my zeal to put the birthday balloons up for flow and colors of the wind and hula staff, I have been remiss. She's out of there control. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, you're out of control. Oh, goodness. Um, We had an emu yesterday. And now we have an emu again. Is it like emus, dueling emus? I feel like emus, they have two jobs. One of their jobs is to sell car insurance, obviously. Their <laughs> other job is to escape. You notice all, emo, all emus escape. So don't can even we, try to contain them. Can we track down this whole car insurance thing? Because I know about the guy, the lizard from Geico and the caveman. Yeah. They had right. an emu as well? Well, that's been like well? 20 years. Yeah. Is that, a, you don't know, is that from Lemu, Geico? Lemu, no, Liberty Mutual, Limu, Emu, and oh, Doug. Oh, okay. Where have you been? Are you I even a consumer? Uh, no. Are I'm you an Al-Qaeda? Paying attention. <laughs> Are you watching your commercials and buying crap? Did you just accuse on, me Kim. of terrorism for not knowing about Limu the Emu? <laughs> yeah, and so did Archie. Archie knows. You know Limu, oh. Emu, right? And Doug. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Magnin, $10. Wow, Kim turned 30. Happy birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday. Kim turned 30. Um, wait, sure. who turned 30? I didn't. I'm well past 30, my friend, but I'll take that. Thank yeah, you. You'll take it. We'll, <laughs> you'll take it with an emu. Employees at a veterinary. Yeah, thank you, Harry. Thank you, Harry. Uh, employees at a veterinary that sponsored this story, this emu story sponsored yeah. by Harry Magnet. Employees at a veterinary clinic in England had an unusual day when a pair of loose emus showed up in the parking lot. The Edgewood veterinary group said in a Facebook post that the flightless Australian birds had made an unexpected appearance outside the clinic in Perlay, Essex. Essex. Wait, That's they went it... to the vet? They just walked up to the they vet were in themselves? The parking lot. They were, they were in the like, we lot. needed a checkup, so we're just going to come on over to the vet. Can you office. imagine? You're just like getting yeah. out of the car and you're like, um... <laughs> You've come the to clinics, the right place. <laughs> the clinic's manager said employees were initially skeptical when a resident told them that there were two ostriches in the area. But they took a look anyway, couldn't find anything. The workers were shocked when the birds identified as emus and not related to ostriches. <laughs> Turned up the next day in the clinic's parking lot. Employees corralled the emus, which were taken to a local petting zoo before later. They were like a layover at the local petting zoo before being returned to the owner. They're like, why is everyone touching us? This is so weird. Where are we? Where are we? I don't think I don't think you're supposed to touch the emus. I think they well, um, but if you take them to a local petting zoo, guess what happens? At least they're penned. But uh, I think they bite. I don't think they like yeah. to be touched. I don't think well, don't and touch they don't like the to email. be corralled and they don't like it when you don't buy car insurance. Liberty, liberty, <laughs> liberty, liberty. Let's let's bring it down a little bit. Apparently, there's a sad goat. Police were called because there was a sad goat who was not very happy. Yeah. Um someone reportedly was shouting, "Help! Help!" From a ravine, the person oh, who funny. heard the calls feared that the person had fallen off a cliff. But further investigation revealed the help call heard was actually a sad goat from a neighboring goat farm. <laughs> I, it, that's, I don't know if that's you doing a goat or Archie like trying to play along. The farm's owner told officers the goat was calling out for her babies. Officers did note on the scene the cries the cries did sound similar to someone yelling for help. <laughs> Thankfully, 
The op- officers confirmed all was well. Nobody besides the mama goat was in any kind of distress. She wanted her cool, babies man. back. Everything's cool. I just want to see my babies. <laughs> You're so sad. It was a sad goat. I'm a sad goat. I want to see my kids. Let's get uh, to the fight. Let's get to the oh, bird yeah. fight. Yeah, we're going from uh, we're shifting gears here, up and down, yeah. up and down. Check this out. A bird oh. pins down a rival in a battle. That's right. This unlucky starling. It's a battle got, royale. Got pinned down over and over again as he was bullied by two others in what looked like a fight for survival. Sharon Delport, a wildlife lover and enthusiast, had front row seats to this crazy sighting. She shared her video and story uh, on latestsightings.com. The story begins began shortly after Sharon and her husband enjoyed a delightful breakfast at Mug and Bean. You know where that is, right? In Lower Savvy <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest Camp. Totally relevant in, to the story. Totally in South Africa, right? Yeah, it's in Kruger yeah, yeah. National Park in South Africa, right by the Whole Foods. Um, yeah. With the Sabi River providing a beautiful backdrop, uh, Sharon, after she apparently uh, and her husband uh, finished breakfast, began <laughs> heading back to their vehicle. <laughs> However, a strange sight on the ground caught her husband's attention. Initially, it seemed like the poor starling had somehow been injured and was lying dead on the ground. But as they neared the bird, they discovered that the small starling was in distress. It was injured, and it had its feathers all ruffled. You don't want to have your feathers all ruffled. No. Suddenly, out of nowhere, two other starlings flew in with extreme speed. They weren't there to help, though. One of them pinned the unlucky starling to the ground. He was getting <gasps> jumped in the parking wow. lot. So the attack it's was a... relentless, and uh, the little bird was in no way getting out of it. He looked as though he was going to succumb to the attack. At one point, the one starling had scared that had the scared bird pinned by its legs, and the other held it by its beak. Jesus. It's a mugging or an, yeah. an assault. Wow. And taking its wallet, I guess. Then suddenly out of nowhere, he got new strength, and he puffed himself up. He managed to wiggle his way loose and flew a few meters. Unfortunately, each time he managed to escape, fly a short distance, the attackers were quick to chase him and continue their assault right uh, there behind him, diving and swooping. Uh, but miraculously, the poor bird found an opening and made a daring escape. He didn't peck at them, but basically just waited for the perfect opportunity, broke free, flew off, hopefully to tend to his injuries and recover from the beating he just received. So it's not just humans. It's also the birds. Wow. Those are, I don't know, it's survi- survival of the fittest out there. It's a, it's a jungle. There's a video of this bird attack, too, and it's crazy. Yeah. Man. If you, if you want to check it out, um, just Google uh, birds pinned down. <laughs> birds pinned down i didn't want to play the video because i thought we get a copyright strike and we don't oh, want that. but we well, have a flocko update we do have a flocko update today remember flocko the bird who was um his pen was vandalized or wherever he was at the new york zoo in central park was vandalized flocko, and the, so owl. He'd, right. flocko the owl and so he'd been seen on trees and all of a sudden he was gone and they thought he was going to different neighborhoods in New York trying to find a mate, a mate which he could never find because there's no other bird like him in New York. And right. so it was kind of a sad story. Well, Flocko the Eurasian Eagle Owl has now returned to Central Park. Bird lovers are apparently pretty pleased that Flocko is home. What up, Flocko? He, he's back in his favorite spot, which is an oak tree inside the park. Flocko had flown the coop after someone vandalized his enclosure in February. He was most recently spotted on a Fifth Avenue building across from Central Park Reservoir. The sighting came after he was last seen uh, last week in the East Village. Bird watchers say fireworks set off for the marathon, New York Marathon, probably Mm -hmm. scared him away from the park. So maybe he was looking for a mate. Maybe he was frightened away by 
uh, by fireworks. We don't know. We know what he was thinking. He's like, chicks love oak trees. I wonder if Flocko, <laughs> I wonder if Flocko can survive in the winter time when it's snowing. I guess if he got free last February, probably. Who knows? Who? Who knows? Who? Flocko. Well, I hope Flocko oh. survives and he's all right. I, I think they oh, should no. bring in a mate for him, you know? Get the chicks or in here. Take him to somewhere where there's another one of his kind. <laughs> yeah. I uh, am in love, love, love with this next story. Okay, then why don't you do it if you why don't you marry it if you love it? I'm going to. Okay. Okay. It's kind of like um uh what's that show on Antiques uh, Roadshow? Antiques, thank you. Antiques, what's that show? And immediately he knows. Antiques Roadshow come to life. When I'm not watching the Hallmark channel. There (laughs) make sure you get your two thousand dollars. My mom has it on every weekend. Oh, see. It's just a matter of how long we can go before I say, Mom, can we please change the channel? That's enough. That's enough kissing at the end. So this woman, she's a a grandma. She lives in France. And for years and years and years, she had the picture you see before you hanging in her French kitchen. Painting. You know, a a kitchen, a painting in in the kitchen. It's it's not a good place for a painting because you get food splatter. There's grease. There's, you know, maybe sometimes yeah. you burn something. There's a little smoke. So if you had a nice picture, maybe the kitchen wouldn't be the best place for it. Maybe someone's normal house wouldn't be the right place for this one. But she thinks this isn't a cool picture. And it's been on my kitchen wall for years. I wonder how much this is worth. Mm-hmm. So she takes it to have it appraised. And that is when they realize this is a missing masterpiece. It was painted Many, many, many moons ago in, I think, was it 1280, the year 1280. It's called Christ Mocked. It's a 10 by 8 inch painting by Florentine artist Simabu, real name Seni De Peppo. And it was rediscovered in 2019. I didn't know they had nicknames back then. They did. Simabu. You can uh, call this- me Simabu. That's right. An elderly woman from the town of Compagne decided to have it appraised. It had been, again, hanging in her kitchen for years. And so she takes it in and they look at it and they think, we know what this is. They tell her it goes up for auction. It gets $26.8 million. This picture she had hanging in her kitchen for decades looks like it had glass on it. Thank goodness for small yeah, it favors. Yeah, looks like that frame probably had glass in front of it. Mm, well, got to keep the uh, grease off the the Christ. Twenty six point eight million. What? The French government then stepped in and it. barred it from being exported. They called it a national treasure, and so the the painting was purchased by the French government from the auction winner and it is now headed to the Louvre where it will be displayed this Christ mocked uh, picture along with another Simabu painting called Maista they will both be at the Louvre in an exhibit set to open in 2025 do they explain why Christ is being mocked (laughs) we don't know I mean I think by a mockingbird Christ no, he wasn't. I think it's the religious. Nice Don't ask me. I'm, I don't have a religious background, but I think it's the the point where, you know, like the road to cavalry kind of thing where they were throwing things at him and berating him, that kind of thing. Everyone loves, loves you, Christ. It's not like they're going to do anything bad to you. Good luck. 
<laughs> mockingbird out. <laughs> any any reason to use the mockingbird? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, it mobbed or mocked? Mocked. Looks like it's being mobbed. Mocked. Looks like the paparazzi and like. His oh, did it sound like I was saying mobbed? No, no it just mocked. looks like it looks like he's being mobbed. Yeah, he's being mocked, like you know, made fun of, ridiculed, yeah. etc. So this is yeah a twenty point twenty six point eight million dollar kitchen picture that is now headed to the Louvre. There you go. Yeah, Catherine says you're the Catholic. That doesn't mean I'm like expert on Jesus. <laughs> More of a victim. <laughs> and John Daly. We let's welcome John Daly, our Jesus expert, uh, to the show. Everyone. Karen has reached reaching her tolerance level for that voice effect. Oh, okay. oh, oh no! A bunch of people said they like the Mockingbird, but we'll have to. I we'll do to enjoy the down. Mockingbird. Well, we don't hear it very often, so you know. Can't be a little too often. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about these Gen Zers. Annoying. Oh, man. We love to hate on Gen Z. 73% of Gen Z say they'll resign if they don't get regular feedback from their manager. What? What? <laughs> uh, bye. Uh, you know? Okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, let's stay with that photo there. For some workers, you know, receiving feedback can be painful or awkward, but not for a majority of Gen Z. In fact, 73% of the youngest generation of the workforce say they'll resign if they don't get regular feedback from their managers. They're used to um, being told, they're used to being coddled and said, you're doing such a great job too. You're doing such a great job. Regular feedback can be particularly uh, particularly important for those who enter the workforce during the pandemic and are still adjusting to in-person uh, work et etiquette. It's also crucial uh, to shaping your career, according to a monster career expert, Vicky Salemi. Uh, in an interview with CNBC, you really can jumpstart your career progression by getting feedback. If you have this feedback and you're really diving into it, taking ownership of it and tapping into resources, you're fully engaged and, part of your, and it's part of your career growth. While your manager should ideally be the one to let you set up these meetings, be pro proactive in seeking feedback on your work. Uh, it can benefit you in more than one way. Coordinating the frequency of meetings uh, yourself can be both helpful for you and your boss, who likely has a lot on their plate uh, or who just doesn't care. At the yeah, end of the day, know, the employee needs to take ownership of their career. Don't expect your boss to do it for you, according to someone. You Salani. know when you're going to get feedback from your boss? When your boss has time to give it to you. Or when you do That's something when. wrong. When yeah. you do something wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> That's doing everything much the wrong. gist of it. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, they say that asking for frequent feedback can avoid any awkward uh, year-end conversations around salary or promotions. Um, it probably depends on your job. We didn't really get a lot of feedback. Like they said no. that we would have like regular meetings, but then that always kind of fell off, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, uh, in radio, a lot of times they give you air checks, right? right. So you sit they in you, a, They give you the S sandwich. S sandwich. Have you explained the S sandwich here? This really, really, really sucks. But then you did this really well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the bad thing couched in between two good right. things. Like the Oreo cookie. So a lot of times they'll do air checks where you sit in a room with your boss and they have a tape of you on the air and then they play it and they pause it and they comment and then they play it and they pause it and they comment. And it can be brutal, like, you know, listening to yourself back and having someone pick you apart. Uh, but that's what they say makes you better. I have never. Have you ever asked for that? Uh, I was not on air. So have you ever asked for criticism? Did you ever go into your boss's office and say, hey, I just wanted to see how you think I'm doing here? No. I yeah. just was told that one time that I didn't sound like I was, um, I didn't, my energy level was too low, which. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. 
Whatever. Okay. Is that, was that your response to your air checks? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. No, no. I mean, if they're going to take time to criticize and, and yeah. you know, and focus on my performance, then I'm going to take time to listen. But whatever but I, is the official response of talk show hosts to their program directors, <laughs> especially the ones that are under contract. <laughs> exactly. And then they would always grumble about it to the producer. I've been doing this for 10, 20, 20 years. <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. There's um, a lot of ego involved at that level. Gen Z, another Gen Z story. Apparently, yeah. they, another work Gen Z story. They can't stop using slang at work. And so the New York Post has 10 terms that annoy their colleagues the most that they can't stop using. The first one is goat, the greatest of all time. No, no. Can't no, stop no. using goat. Mm-hmm. No. Can't stop using the word slay. Can't stop using the word sus. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, what else? Uh, basic. Can't stop using the word basic to describe someone's lack of individuality or independent thought. That person is so basic, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, some of these, the, it's funny, it kind of overlap with the story Nikki had earlier. They can't stop using the word slay at work. Oh, my God, you slayed that presentation, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like drag queen speak. Is it? Like RuPaul. Like <laughs> it's slay. like teenage speak is what it is. It's like a command. Yeah. Like, oh, you kill it. Slay. Um, I love these these photos of like, this is Gen Z with their older. Everyone who's not Gen Z apparently is like ready to retire. <laughs> like, Explain the computer to me. Meanwhile, the older workers are looking at you saying, what did you just say? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. So I don't know. There's a lot of concerns. Oh, Doug for a $10 super sticker. Doug, you're so kind. Thank you. Thank Doug. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a thank lot so of of concern when it comes to the health of the swimmers in the world. And by swimmers, I mean sperm. Oh, okay. Not people. Mm-hmm. Not people no. swimming in the in the Mm-mm. ocean. Um, yeah, global decline in male fertility is linked to common pesticides. Scientists have spent decades trying to untangle puzzling questions over falling sperm concentrations. A new analysis of 25 studies. So this is like the study people like getting together. Uh, these are 25 studies of pesticides, and it shows a clear connection. A prolonged decline in male fertility in the form of sperm concentration appears to be connected to the use of pesticides, according to this study published on Wednesday. Uh, these are busy people. Researchers compiled, rated, reviewed the results of 25 studies of certain pesticides and male fertility and found that men who had been exposed to certain classes of pesticides had significantly lower levels. The study published Wednesday in Environmental Health Perspectives included data from more than 1,700 men and spanned several decades. No matter how we look at the analysis and results, we saw a persistent association between increasing levels of insecticide and decreases in sperm concentration, um, according to the uh, study author. I would hope this study would get the attention of regulators seeking to make decisions to keep the public safe from inadvertent, unplanned impacts of insecticides. For decades, scientists have been trying to untangle the puzzling questions over male fertility. Sperm concentrations are one of the several factors that are a useful indicator. A report last year found that sperm counts were falling in every region of the globe, and the pace of that decline was accelerating. That's Um, really scary. Yeah, between the uh, cell phone in the pocket and the insecticides, Mm -hmm. are we going to go extinct? Uh, there's been some pretty, I'd say, convincing. Yeah, we don't need AI to take us out. We're, we're doing a good job of taking ourselves out. Um, there's been some pretty, I'd say, convincing and sort of scary data on measures of male fertility over the previous 50 to 70 years, whatever it might be from different places around the world, suggesting 
concentrations are on their decline, not just a little bit. Um, it's concerning. Scientists have long, long su suspected changes to the environment could be contributing, and they have been probing the role of pesticides for decades in studies of animals and human epidemiology. Not just that, but it's just think of like all the cancers we've had in the last 30 years. Like, you know, it's all this chemicals and everything that's, you know, forever chemicals, everything being spewed into the environment. Totally. Mother's, mother's breast milk full of chemicals. Yeah. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Heather says we don't need more people anyway, but I would argue that we need some the people. health of your sperm or anybody's really, yeah. you know, for fertile. And we need someone health. paying into our social security. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> but it, it could be indicative of, of wider health problems, right? So yeah. if, if, if our, you know, the, the, the most sensitive thing on our body is affected by, by pesticides, then what else is that we aren't seeing right away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm saying it's a complicated topic. Some scientists have reservations. Um, could I have a reservation? Um, sperm are notorious, notoriously difficult to count, and the text matching like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. thousand. There are many confounding yeah. factors that can uh, affect male fertility, including age, obesity, opioid use, to name a few. Um, they they hope that the EPA will step in, um, given the body of evidence and the consistent finding. It's time to proactively reduce yeah. insecticide exposure uh, for men wanting to have families. Yeah. So that's your that's another uh, Debbie Downer for today's show. Look at You're that. Welcome. Well, from infertility to robo-fertility, because come on, here's a weird story. I guess it's not as weird as you would think. This woman from Alabama didn't realize it, but she had a birth look at, defect. Look at his face. Look at his face. And he's like, what? He had a birth. She has a birth defect where she had has two uteruses at the same time. Like that's Uteri. how her... Yeah, she has two uteri. She has two. And she never would have known except something crazy happened. And she apparently ovulated on both sides and got pregnant in each uterus at the same time. Busy bee. What? She's got baby girls, one in each womb. This is a rare pregnancy. She's 32. Her name is Kelsey, and she was born with this rare uterine anomaly. It's called uterus didelphus, two uteruses. But she wasn't diagnosed until last spring when she figured out she was pregnant in each of her uteruses. So she comes home and says, honey, I'm pregnant, and I have two uteruses, and I'm pregnant in both. And he's like, yeah, right. I don't believe you. Heather <laughs> says that would be my worst nightmare. It's like a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> it's totally a two-bedroom apartment. room. Move on in. That's right. Um, it actually, it's more like uh, two single family homes because some women so do like a have a condo, a duplex, and then she has two separate standalone right. uh, uteruses. So apparently both ovaries ovulated at the same time or around the same time. And the fact that that happened, according to Dr. Haley Miller at Stanford's OBGYN department, is absolutely astounding so this woman kelsey did i say kelsey yeah kelsey she's preparing for two babies doctors are preparing to have extra staff available for her labor because women with two uteruses and two cervixes can present very special challenges to doctors so one right either one comes out and then the other it'll be another day or two or longer before it comes out or what if they both try to come out at the same time. That's impossible. And apparently, 
trying to do a C-section because they have to cut into two uteruses, then you bleed more. And so there's more of a risk to her. So this could be pretty dangerous for her. You know, she's making fun of it, but this is like a serious yeah. situation that she got pregnant in both at the same time. What she has there is a situation. What they don't know is how to describe this whole thing. So are they twins? They're not in the same womb. They're neighbors. not sharing the same placenta. They're neighbors. Are they just siblings? Are they fraternal twins? Like, what do you want to... They're, you have to call them twins because they're going to be the same age and the same class yeah. and the same everything, even though technically, I don't know if they are twins because they're in their own little Well, they're born at the spaces. same time, same genetics. What a crazy ultrasound picture, though. You can yeah, see... Yeah, it's just like... Yeah. A, it's kind of like the way they arrange the 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 I don't know the walls. It's still it's still same thing is happening. It's just different for, uh, different different delivery. configuration. Yeah, yeah. So there she is, pregnant in two uteruses at once. Congratulations, Kelsey. Sandy was asking if the plural out. of uterus is yeah. uteri, and it's either uteri or uteruses. Thanks, yes. thanks, Google. Mm -hmm. Googled it. There you go. Yep. Uh, more more stuff from the internet. Uh, <laughs> you ready for this one? Computer-generated TikTok Jesus? Jesus. Jesus! Promises divine blessings and a potential <laughs> jackpot for its creator. The TikTok profile Daily Believer has 70 videos with computer-generated Jesuses, or Jesai, uh, looking directly <laughs> at the viewer, beseeching them to stop scrolling. Stop scrolling and watch the next minute's worth of content. All these Jesuses are long-haired and bearded, recalling artist Warner Solomon's ubiquitous 1940 painting, Head of Christ, not to be confused with the mocking of Christ. They're all good-looking Jesuses. Yeah, they're kind of hunky, right? Yeah. Um, some wear the crown of thorns. Some look alarmingly like the actor Jared Leto. Uh, <laughs> nearly all promise a surprise of good news soon in exchange for the viewer liking, commenting, amen, or sharing it with their friends and family with this digital outreach the Daily Believer has gained as of November 13th. 813,200 followers and over 9.2 million likes. Oh, that's how we grow the channel. We have to rename ourselves Jesus. We have to get some Jesus in here. Uh, Maybe we this. could name it Mocking Jesus, no? No. <laughs> it's all the... <laughs> it's all the it's all the sinning that's going on in here at the after party. All the drinking and debauchery. As a scholar of the religion uh, in the U.S. and, the, at it, and its intersection of pop culture... Um, I have been studying the ways American Christians use media and popular culture to perform religious work in evangelical outreach for the past 13 years. Uh, this is the TikToker speaking. I, I argue that this TikTok phenomenon in which viewers are promising good luck for sharing, liking, and commenting on videos of a computer-generated Jesus is close to what's known as the prosperity gospel. That is, the Christian belief that God will reward faith with this worldly uh, comforts uh, like health and wealth, clicks and likes, People subscribing. Um, anyway, uh, Welcome Jesus Into Your Home is among the Daily Believer's most popular videos with over 22.2 million subscribers. Are, according you supposed to, to, are you supposed to pay for Jesus's online blessing? I don't think they're talking about money. I think you just have to mm. wa watch and, you know, uh, watch the ads for, you know, Tide Detergent. Um, Lori says this, uh, she's not a Christian, but wouldn't this be considered sacrilegious? No. No, Lori, you just don't get it. It's all about <laughs> likes and subscribes, likes and subscribers, right? This is the new world. This is how you get the word out there. This is the Jesus word from the says, Lord. Click like and subscribe. This is the Deidre word from the says, Lord, and it's sponsored. Deidre says it almost makes me want to believe. 
<laughs> almost. And Ren says, Hollywood Jesus. It's kind of like a chain, a chain letter because it's like, according to the computer-generated Jesus, if the viewer believes in God, they must share the video with their friends and family and comment, I believe. Yeah, oh, and then you get a blessing a within an letter. hour. Yeah, yeah you, get an, you get a blessing within the hour. Um, you know, it's, it, and if you don't click on it, the computer-generated Jesus issues a thin, thinly veiled threat of damnation what? by quoting Matthew 3.10. <laughs> Jesus takes a turn toward the ugly? How does yeah, that work? Yeah, you better be careful. Otherwise, you're going to be... Down to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and they're calling it a TikTok chain letter. One of the so uh, and it can be monetarily um, you know monetized by TikTok. So um, yeah, between LG two says, cents and four cents for every thousand views. LG says religion is the problem with the world. I want people to be spiritual, not in a cult for likes. Yeah, they don't pay a lot. Two cents, four cents for every thousand views. That's all. That's all. At least he looks Semitic, says Lori. Yeah, he, he, I guess he is kind of a white guy, but maybe with a tan. I don't know. Well, it's tan. It's like, uh, it's like me. It's like white, but not white enough for a lot of people in the United States. That's the, that's the thing when you're Middle Eastern. It's like, you're like, kind of white. You're you're swarthy. What are you? Are you like a borderline white? Are you Italian? Are you Mediterranean? What are you? Break the chain, go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Kathleen says, speak to me, Satan. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's take a little bit of a after party live break. And when we come back, we will talk about the worst cities for package theft. Where are you most likely to have your porch uh, raided pirated. by people? Yeah, porch pirated pirates. by people coming along to take your stuff. Yeah. And uh, we'll also talk about a strange kind of rain. Uh, that we haven't seen anything like this before. You've and never seen anything like this. secret attraction at Disneyland. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have. They're closing it down. All that and more when the After Party Live continues in just 30 seconds. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Yes, I needed an Aloha, bitches, on a Friday afternoon. That's right. Excellent. Thank you to our uh, new contributor, Brian S. And Brian S. is my friend. I've known him for over 10 years, and he listens to the Apple podcast as he commutes on his bicycle across the city. Uh, I think almost all the way from like the ocean side of the city, all the way downtown every day. So that's, that's pretty cool. Ride. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And he, now, he usually has to watch, he had to, you know, watch out for cruise vehicles in the past. And now he has to watch out for <laughs> presidential motorcades because uh, he was out there at the, was the palace of Legion, foreign Legion. What's uh, called? Oh yeah. The foreign Legion. Mm-hmm. Foreign or Legion. That's foreign... where the president was yeah, having dinner. Yeah. I think I'm Thank saying you. it wrong. I forget the name of it, but yeah. Thank it's, you, Brian. Uh, it's, Thank you, Brian, for that contribution. I'm um, so happy that you're uh, liking the show and that you're part of it now. Um, Ongoing contributor Linda A., Jim L., and Steve P. with a big contribution as well. Thank you so much, you you guys. The Palace of the Legion of Honor. That's right. Uh, Colors of the Wind for $10. And happy birthday weekend to you. And Flo for $5. 
$50 and happy birthday weekend to you as well. I hope, uh, and today is your birthday. So happy birthday to you today. Happy birthday to you. And huge, huge wishes for better things ahead. Happy birthday to you. Harry, thank you for the $10 and Doug for the $10 as well. Thank you guys for contributing to the show. You're making my Friday happy. That's right. Jesus, take this, my body, me. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that cute body. Absolutely, Jesus. Bring it on. You're like, let's um, collab. Let's talk about the worst cities for package theft because apparently, yeah, if you're, you're going to have your stuff stolen, you're more likely to get it stolen in certain places than yeah. you are in others. And, they and have these security compiled. cards didn't really do anything about it here in this photo. Mm. Apparently, they've compiled a list of all the worst places for package theft, and the Seattle metro area is the worst region for porch pirates in oh, the wow. country. Seattle metro. So uh, they came in second in 2022. Now Seattle, Tacoma, Coming Bellevue in area number two. tops the list now. Now they're number one. Oh, so, com- moving up one spot to number one. The second one this year, number two, is Memphis. The third is San Diego, Chula Vista, Carlsbad. The fourth is Birmingham, Hoover, Alabama. And the fifth is Denver, Aurora, Lakewood, Colorado. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is compiled by the FBI Larceny Theft Statistics and Google Trends data. And they talk about what can you do then to safeguard your packages? Because a lot of people have had their packages stolen right from their house over the last year. 40% of people that responded to this survey said they'd had more than one package taken off their porch. They're taking them right out of the delivery driver's hands in some cases. In Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, they they have them, you know, that you walk up like you live there and you say, oh, I'll take that. And they give yeah. it to the person and then they just walk right away. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, in some cases, porch pirates dress up as Amazon drivers to disguise themselves like, oh, I should be here taking this package, right? Um, but I one of the things you can do, apparently, uh, is try to have a safer place to leave the packages, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, you can try to do that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This photo, by the way, is an alleged package thief retaliating after a homeowner placed dirty diapers in a box and left them on the porch. Oh, that's good. That's That's what's going on there. Um, They did the so that again, let me read the the list again. One Seattle, two Memphis, three San Diego, four Birmingham, five Denver, six Richmond, Virginia, seven Austin, Round Rock, Georgetown, Texas, eight Greenville, Anderson, South Carolina, nine Grand Rapids and Kentwood, Michigan, and 10 Portland, Vancouver, Hillsboro, Oregon, Washington. It's happening everywhere. This is everywhere. Doorbell deterrence, they say, can be a popular deterrent, but even that hasn't stopped thieves. Doorbell uh, deterrence? Doorbell deterrent. Uh, UPS has started using artificial intelligence to reduce the risk. And so they can what determine high risk areas and then recommend in-store pickup instead. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, luckily, I mean, most buildings here, um, you know, they either ring one of the units and then they leave it inside or they um, they give the delivery people a special code so that they can open up the door and put it in the lobby. And uh, yeah, we try to hide the packages. Like if there's packages by the door, we kind of move them in around the corner so people don't see them. Here, don't they'll, t- 
They even oh, take your cool. holiday decor from your your yard. Man. Just, you know? I mean, there's nothing... going is, downhill. Nothing is sacred here, people. Nothing. Except for hunky Jesus. Mm -mm. Except for hunky Jesus. <laughs> this next story <laughs> Thank involves story, something that's pretty, pretty cool. A far is away... that the sperm and the egg? It looks no, like a sperm no, and no. an egg. It's a no? far away... Uh, this is a, a artistic depiction of the planet WASP. Wasp? White Anglo-Saxon? Protestant? Uh, dash 107B. Uh, observations by the James Webb Space Telescope suggest that this hot gas giant has clouds made of sand. Interesting. Pretty cool. A faraway gas giant planet that's famous for being strangely puffy <laughs> or bloated. <laughs> Poor planet. <laughs> being judged. Being It's under the microscope from like, you know, uh, light years away. Like, oh, yeah, you're kind of puffy. Uh, it appears to have clouds that are made of tiny bits of sand. The sand likely acts as water does on Earth, falling like rain towards the planet's hotter interior and then evaporating back up to form clouds once again. Uh, this Wait, is in so a, they, the, have, they have sand rain? Sand rain, yeah. Wow. It's like a whole cycle. And this is in the Journal of Nature. The discovery showcases one of the many kinds of bizarre clouds that scientists probably exist out uh, beyond our solar system. So even though astronomers theoretically knew that clouds could form out of substances like rock, metal, or salt... Now we can actually look at it and judge it for being puffy, apparently. Um, it makes the weirdness of a cloud made out of rock feel so weird, or so real. She says scientists were eager to see what they might find when the James Webb Space Telescope turned towards the oddball planet known as WASP-107b. It was discovered in 2017. The planet orbits a star about 212 light years away. That's uh, a little smaller and cooler than the sun. A little cooler, you know what I mean? It's kind of a hipster, hmm. a hipster... Uh, system. That's weird. The, the planet is so close to the star that it orbits uh, once every 5.7 days and temperatures there reach oh, you're not going to like this, 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. Yeah. No, no, thank you. No, I guess this we won't a, be experiencing the sand rain. Yeah, it is a very fluffy really cool. planet. Mm. Pretty cool. So, at Disneyland, I don't, when was the a last time you were in Disneyland? A little closer to home. Years, years ago. It's been a long time. Well, at the California Adventure Park, in this kind of, they have this building where you can go learn, take a drawing class and learn how to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like draw. And then you can go, they have a little room where you can go in and meet like the princess of the day. You stand in line and then you <laughs> go get your the picture day. taken. Princess. Then there's a gift get, shop in there. Get your combo meal. And then there's a ramp that leads to an unmarked area but a lot of people are taking the ramp so we went up the ramp and we found that it is the beauty and the beast secret library wow. it's a pretty cool library there are Do you all need kinds like of a library card to go there or you just you walk right don't in? but there are all kinds of really cool activities there's computers set up so you can see like what your face would look like in the in a magic mirror uh, there's all kinds of like, trivia and quiz questions. Every station that you see here, uh, you know, you can your, use your voice to help read the book type of thing. So it's kind of a cool, like off the beaten path, not really well advertised. Use your attraction. voice to help read the book. You mean reading? Well, like, reading like you put it, you you read it into the microphone, and then it spits your voice back at you, kind of thing. It's like a, reco a recorded version of yourself. Oh, so uh, it's, it's like YouTube. Okay. Kind of. Well. No, I'm not explaining it right. But anyway, okay. there's a bunch of different stuff to do and things to do in here. And the 
way it's decorated, it really does look like you've just walked into the movie set of Beauty and the Beast in this library. So now that we know about it, the news is... They're getting rid of it. Yeah, (laughs) they're getting rid of it. Well, maybe if they didn't make it secret, people would have actually known about it. It used to be that, um, yeah, you could go in here and you could stay in here for as long as you wanted. The They have the prince portrait you can see hanging right in the middle of the room. You can watch as it changes to the beast version, just like it did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quiz they do to find out which Disney character best fits your personality. Uh, it, there's a lot of things going on in there, but it's no longer. They're going to kick it out, strip the walls, take it down. And they're instead going to use this space for Disney's Imagination Campus, which is an education program that teaches students how to use their imagination to solve various challenges. But in order to be part of the Disney Imagination Campus, you have to go with usually a group, like a school. Sounds like some kind of Disney re-education cult. No, like Julia went for um, band. They took her, Mm. her band, took a trip to the Disney imagination station or whatever it is. And they had Disney musicians that came in and helped teach them a Disney song and gave them tips and pointers from the professional musicians. And then they went out and they marched through Disneyland, like with their marching band and they played, they marched through Disneyland playing. You have to pay extra for that. Uh, It was expensive, let me tell you, but they did fundraising to to put on the trip and everything else. And uh, theater troops can go and dance. Even at Disneyland, guac is extra. (laughs) Always. (laughs) <laughs> but they there's so the professionals will go teach you, you know, if you're a musical theater per kid or if you're whatever art you're involved in. They even have um what are the people called that um imagineers, right? That are engineers, yeah. that are builders. They, they, they even have guy. one of those. Yes, all for Mickey Mickey. Anyway, you said anyway, more money. Oh boy. That space now becomes part of the imagination campus to uh further their education program. So sad to see it go. But I guess it's for a good good reason, good purpose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, being gentrified by uh, Disney. Uh, this so. next story is pretty cool. Uh, researchers Ooh. printed a robotic hand with bones, ligaments, and tendons for the first time. Wow. Researchers at the Zurich-based ETH Public University, along with a U.S.-based startup called Inkbit, have done what they thought was the impossible. They've printed a robot hand complete with bones, ligaments, tendons for the first time, representing a major leap forward in 3D printing technology. It's worth noting that the various parts of the hand were printed simultaneously and not cobbled together after the fact. Uh, Each of the robotic hand's various parts were made from different polymers of varying softness and rigidity using a new laser scanning technique that lets 3D printers create special plastics with elastic qualities all in one go. This obviously opens up new possibilities in the fast-moving field of prosthetics, but also in any field that requires the production of soft robotic structures. So basically, the researchers at Inkbit developed a method to 3D print slow-curing plastics, whereas the technology that was previously first it was first reserved for fast-curing plastics. This hybrid printing model um, presents all kinds of advantages when compared to standard fast-cure projects, such as increased durability, enhanced elastic properties. The tech also uses or allows uh, us to mimic nature more accurately, as seen in the aforementioned robotic hand. Robots made of soft materials, such as the hand we developed here, have advantages over conventional robots made of metal. Because they're soft, there's less risk of injury when they work around humans. 
and they're better suited at handling fragile goods, according to the robotics professor. Pretty cool. And then here's like a little dog creature that they made. Mm. With a little, yeah, a little grabber I like there. The, I like the hand one. I think the thumb looks cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, thumb. look at the way they got yeah. that thumb. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Well, we're getting closer and closer us. to being obsolete. I guess so. They don't need our hands anymore, you know? Mm. You know what never um, goes out of style? Uh, diamonds, the girl's best friend. Diamonds are forever. This is so ostentatious. So you know that Jeff Bezos and his girlfriend, now fiance, fiance Lauren Sanchez, are engaged. She says when he proposed with a, get this, 30-carat ring, she nearly blacked out. A 30-carat wow. diamond ring. I don't even... Okay, number one, how could you go through life and look down at your hand and not think, how many people could I house or feed with this rock that's on my hand? Number two, what if you lost it, right? What if the stone fell out? What I, I mean, I guess I know it's insured, but just I don't it's how unrealistic imagine how it would get caught on everything yeah I don't know yeah Lauren Sanchez has a 30 carat diamond ring meanwhile there are people working in the warehouses slaving away for what a pittance an hour and he's collecting yeah imagine how many Washington how many Washington posts you could buy with that when he opened the box, I think I blacked out a bit, Sanchez admitted of the proposal. He had apparently hidden the ring under her pillow, and she discovered it as she was getting into bed. Uh, can I be superficial here for a second? Please. And not to do with the ring, but um, his eye used to be wonkier. Did he have something done? Because his eyes look normal now. Or maybe, they, maybe they fixed the picture. Oh, but you know what I mean? His um, mm -hmm. Photoshop. The, the eye on the left used to be kind of like closed. Um, anyway. <laughs> That's that's what I maybe, see in this photo. Maybe he was just winking at you. Or maybe because he's a billionaire, he, he was able to have his eye redone. Um, but that's crazy. 30 that's, carats. Uh, As for the wedding, she says, we're still thinking about the wedding. What's it going to be? Is it going to be big? Is it going to be overseas? We don't know yet. We've only been engaged for Will Mark for Thompson five be invited? Months. You know, they were they worked together. They were friends. They sure did. Do I, don't think, uh, I don't think he's getting invited. You're not mm. getting invited? No. We have to ask him. Should try. I mean, for people that roll around on a float around on a five hundred million dollar yacht, yeah, right, and have their picture taken for the Vogue profile, they're very showy with her thirty carat diamond ring. I'm yeah. gonna say this is probably gonna be a massive wedding and a massive expense because she wants attention. I guess they have it, so why not spend it? Although I could think of a lot better ways, but what have you. This yeah. ring appears to feature, according to a jeweler, a spectacular cushion-cut diamond in the 25 to 30 carat range set in an ultra-classic four-prong platinum mounting, which is a magnificent ring perfectly suited to her fabulous style. The jeweler says the diamond appears to be extremely white based on a clarity commensurate with such a high color grade. I would estimate the cost for such an extraordinary ring to be anywhere from $3 million upwards of $5 million, depending on the exact specification of the diamond. So let's just say it's a $5 million ring. You're going to walk around with $5 million on your hand. Ugh. If you have the uh, $2 million security. 
I don't begrudge her if she wants to have a giant ring like this. I, you know, more power to you, whatever. You've got the money, so go get it, I guess. It's just, it's just what what could be done with that money besides this? It just seems Yeah, so but that use- could be said with all his money. It's useless to me. It's just Well, have you seen his ex-wife is spending way more money than he ever, ever has in terms of donations, charity. Donations and po- positive contributions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Pinky uh, says, someone said he looked like Steven Tyler, or she looks like Steven Tyler now. I cannot unsee. Yeah, that was one of the comments in the story we did the other day on the photo shoot. Um, well, she really loves it. Apparently Natalie she's playing she's with it all the time target. and looking at it a total walking target you couldn't wear this around could you I mean, yeah what a reason to kidnap someone they have there you don't even need a ransom note you got five million dollars sitting right there on your finger yeah but they need security anyway because they could i mean kidnapping you don't need the ring for that mm. when you've got a billionaire that you're talking to i don't know anyway uh, yeah there's her big old ring so yeah and we may not have 30 carats but we do have ten dollars from mimi gill oh mimi <laughs> Kim and John, you are awesome. Well, you're awesome, Mimi. Mimi. Yes, Mimi, you are awesome. Mimi, thank thank you, Mimi. you for that. So nice. You guys are yeah. so nice. Uh, this next story may be my favorite of the day. <laughs> are you ready for it? Oh, Martha. Martha's back. Martha Stewart is turkeyed out and canceled her Thanksgiving dinner. <clears throat> what? What? That's right. Martha Stewart says you can take your turkey and stuff it. What? I thought Martha was the hostess with the mostest. Do you think she finally she was... snapped? She had that Isn't Airbnb the... guest and she's like, I'm over <laughs> it. Get out. Get out. I thought she she was the one that out. hosts the dinner. Like you go to Martha's house and you know uh, everything's going to be perfect. Get out. Stewart appeared on Thursday's episode of the Kelly Clarkson show where she revealed she's calling off Thanksgiving at her house this year. I gave up on Thanksgiving. I canceled. Wow. Not, nine guests canceled because somebody got sick. So I called up my chef friend and I said, we're not doing Thanksgiving. Plus, she's sick of cooking. <laughs> <Can you imagine>? <laughs> <laughs> Martha Stewart's the chef is like, oh, can we stop already with the cooking? I've also cooked 14 turkeys already for my TV show, and I still have to cook one more turkey on the Today Show, she said. So forget it. She's acting like she's doing the cooking. Like, we know you're not <laughs> cooking the turkeys. Oh, it's so exhausting pointing at a turkey and asking somebody else to do it. When Clarkson asked if Stewart was all turkeyed out, she agreed to the term, yes, I am all turkeyed out. I made a plan, friends, of course invited me to their home so i'm gonna i'm going to uh, five different homes to taste different courses she uh, uh clarkson joked if you were coming to my house i would i would for sure lie and say that i cooked it and had and have somebody else do it see yeah. at least kelly's being uh, truthful um so yeah uh martha stewart is quitting the turkey Lori says she's effing 80. It gets old, as did she. It's true and you know what's nice is to ha- see someone finally go you know what i've had enough yeah. And I'm setting this boundary for myself and I'm done. Done. That's it. So Martha is quitting Turkey and someone else is quitting something. Her friend. Yeah. Snoop. Snoopity Snoop. He is Snoop done smoking dog. weed. What? what? <laughs> oh my God. What's Martha's done with Thanksgiving and Snoop is done with pot? Like, what yeah. Is, is this right. real life? What's going I, it on? seems it seems like we're living in an alternate version of reality. But Snoop says he is done smoking weed. He that's it. He's goodbye to smoking marijuana for good. The internet and the world is not convinced that he means what he says. That Smoke maybe this is some day. big promotional stunt or something. But he said, I guess 
<laughs> yeah, I like the end of this comment, this end of the statement here. He he's famously apparently smoked seventy five to one hundred fifty joints a day. Can you even do that? Is well, remember that, even, that guy's like, full time job. His assistant was to roll his joints. Oh my god! Well, he went on this gin and uh, he went on this show, I guess, on Thursday, and it's called. Uh, well, his uh, song is called Gin and Juice. His real name is Calvin Broadus Jr. He says, "I have decided to give up smoke." in a very cryptic social media post. After much consideration and conversation with my family, I have decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. Yeah, this is what Snoop mean? posted on X. Did somebody mm-hmm. die? <laughs> Apparently to him, somebody did die, yes. His, joint, his joints died. Please respect us at this time. Mama Day 3 Boy says, yeah, probably has some lung damage. Maybe after time, it takes a toll on you and operative word is smoking i'm not sure if he'll still partake via edibles maybe yeah i mean but the, we even had a story um, the other or even vaping yeah we had a story the other day that said was talking about the risk of all kinds of smoke marijuana smoke you know tobacco everything and that it is it is not good for your lungs and your body or maybe he has smoking a new brand of, of edibles maybe that's what this is all about mm. yeah Want to creek adult softball? The the guy who does his rolling is out of a job. Yeah, that's sad. Well, I'm sure he'll be know, like the edible handler. You know, sometimes the comments to someone's Twitter post can be f- funnier than the post itself. Right. One guy says, "Snoop without smoke is like Earth without water." One guy said, "Damn, the world really is coming to an end." Somebody said, "Today is an April Fool's Day, Snoop." Don't worry, Snoop. We, your disciples, will carry on your legacies. We'll smoke on your behalf. Stay strong. And then someone else said, as you just did, 100% chance this man is launching an edibles line. Right. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, we're right. Uh, Martha's done cooking turkey on Thanksgiving, and Snoop is done smoking the weed. Uh, This next story is kind of interesting. I'm going to reorganize things here for a second. Um, have you heard of rage rooms? Is that where you go beat the holy hell out of inanimate objects? Yep. Um, people like smash monitors, which I think is just bad for the environment because this thing should be, um, recycled, but anyway. Yeah, but it um, doesn't, it's supposed to feel really good to beat the hell out yeah, of Yeah, but here's what comes along with that. The, you know, the headline here is what do rage rooms have to do with sex? A whole lot, it turns out. Over the last five years, a growing really? number of people have turned to rage rooms for unique date nights and bachelorette parties or use them as safe outlets to re- uh, release their anger, hurling plates at concrete walls, destroying a TV with a baseball bat, or taking a hammer to a framed photo of your ex with no limits or judgment, <laughs> is for many rage rumors the cathartic release that they have been that, that they need when they're feeling overwhelmed. But for some people, it's more than that. Owners and managers of rage rooms across the country say they have seen an emerging trend of customers engaging in sexual behaviors in their facilities. While Eyebrow raising, experts say it's not totally surprising given the physiological link between intense emotions and sexual attraction. In fact, the connection between aggression and sexual arousal was a hot topic for uh, psychoanalyst founder Sigmund Freud, who believed humans are unconsciously motivated by aggressive sexual impulses. Today, portrayals of this link can be found in pornography and in BDSM practices that explore themes of power, control, and dominance, according to experts. So um, what do they do? Do they beat they they smash up a bunch of things and then they're turned on by it? So then they get it on. Yeah, they they're do? saying this manager here said every once in a while people do get a little handsy. I've had some customers mm-hmm. lay down together in a room full of broken glass, so maybe there's oh, a danger God. aspect to it. 
Being in that atmosphere, it's super weird. So I think people tend to go to a primal place to curb the behavior. This manager says, we make it known that there's a camera in the room for safety purposes. <laughs> um, <laughs> while this other person says that he sees couples engaging in sexual behavior like heavy petting and intense makeout sessions about twice a month with some customers stripping down to their underwear. Um, both aggressive and sexual behavior activate our fight or flight response, which triggers the release of adrenaline according to a uh, expert at the Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction, and host of the Sex Psychology Podcast. Um, mm. This is Justin Laymiller. Uh, imagine having that job. This is why your heart might start pounding when both uh, when you're being chased by a dog or when you kiss your crush for the first time. The innate response also increases blood flow throughout the body, including gen the genitals, which may be uh, why intense emotional states can lead to a sexual response. Um, it's... Um, <laughs> But they're saying what's likely happening here is that people are confusing their physiological response rooted in anger and excitement with sexual arousal because they're in a room with someone they find attractive. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, they're, they're mixing the two together. Interesting. Blurring the lines. Yeah. That is never something I would have thought of, I have to say. N yeah, that's why we have the internet. Is that why? <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure is... we, we get this last one in since it's happening this weekend. Yeah, there's something happening this weekend. As a matter of fact, every November, we see the Leonid's meteor shower. Yeah, baby. Lighting up the sky with fast-moving streaks of light. This year, the Leonids were active starting November 3rd to December 2nd. They are peaking tonight and early tomorrow morning. So overnight tonight, according to NASA, the shower is produced when the Earth passes through the trail of dust and ice left by the comet S or 55P Temple Tuttle during its 33-year orbit around the sun. So the Leonids are considered to be some of the fastest meteors. They can include larger explosions of light and color called fireballs that can persist longer than an average meteor streak. This shower is named for the constellation Leo from which the show radiates and originates from. NASA is recommending looking for the Leonids starting at about midnight tonight. That is when Leo will rise in the east, though the shower streaks will be visible it is throughout the sky. <laughs> yes. They say the further away the meteors are from Leo, the longer and more spectacular they appear. If you're planning to go out and check it out tonight, uh, it's best to view them away from bright city lights. So yeah. if there's a place People are pointing out go, in the chat that there are a lot of clouds and rain, hopefully. It, it, a lot of clouds of rain tonight and maybe it'll have we'll have a clearing i don't know but once you find a dark viewing spot you have to let your eyes adjust to the dark that can take up to 20 minutes the more patient you are the more that you'll see they say bring a blanket and a friend lie on your back with your feet facing east and take in a blanket as much a friend and uh, somebody and a computer monitor to smash smash a few things have smash a it fun, look rod. up at the lights you know it's gonna be a great friday night woohoo so smash and and don't forget to smash the like button and uh, share oh, our show we didn't on say it. Facebook please click and it. please subscribe. Click, click it. Click click it. Click it right click now. It click or, it. Click it or tick it. Click it. Tick it. Click it with the um, the iron rod, and uh, please click the subscribe button as well while you're at it. Yeah, lie on a blanket mm -hmm, and fall asleep. Wait, that's not what's supposed to happen. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Oh no. Well, thank you for being here with us. Happy birthday to Colors of the Wind, to uh, Flo, and also to somebody else had a birthday today. Oh, um, oh no, I forget. 
Yeah, thank you for the super sticker, Harry. And Doug, thank you so much. Mimi, you're so awesome too. Wes, thank you for that $5 super sticker out of Florida. Flo with a $50 and Colors of the Wind with a 10. You guys are awesome. And ongoing contributors, uh, mm-hmm. Linda A., Jim L., Steve P., and our new contributor, my friend Brian S., thank you so much. Have a great you afternoon guys, from McAllister awesome. and everyone. Have a great weekend, too. Bye, everybody. Okay. See you on Monday. See you on Monday. Turkey's coming. <laughs>